Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 808. Woo! And welcome to episode 870 of the Juice Box Podcast. What happened to my voice there when we. Molly is the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes, and she's also the principal of a school. So we have this very cool kind of hybrid conversation around like 504 plans, but also being a parent, uh, but also they live in Alaska. So, I mean, that's different, right? You're going to love it. Just listen. You know what I do. Settle in. You ready? You feeling it? All right. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Yeah, they're great. I just went into the Frosted Flakes rhythm there for some reason. Sorry about that. If you are a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and complete their survey. You're going to be helping research by doing that. It's HIPAA compliant, anonymous. It'll take you 10 minutes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. And don't forget, cozyearth.com. Use juicebox at checkout to save 35%. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by US Med. Now, US Med is where Arden gets her Omnipods, her Dexcoms, and a lot of her diabetes supplies. USMed.com forward slash juice box. Head there right now to get your free benefits check, or you can get that benefits check at 888-721-1514. Let US Med bring your diabetes supplies the way they bring ours. If you've been thinking about talking to somebody and are considering online therapy, check out BetterHelp at betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. Juicebox podcast listeners get 10% off of their first month of therapy at my link, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. That's betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Molly, and I live in Alaska, and I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is 19, and my son is almost 16, and he's my type 1. And I have been a teacher and am now a school administrator and elementary school principal. Wow. Um, born and raised in Alaska? Moved there? Uh, moved here when I was 19. When you were 19. On your own or with your family? Uh, following a boyfriend. <laughs> I was, I, I always wait for following a boyfriend or escaping a crazy parent. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wasn't sure which or both. Uh, who knows? You know, <laughs> pretty common story. I came up here for a summer job and then stayed. So the original plan was just to hang out for the summer work to pay for your life and then head back. Yep. What kept you there? Oh, uh, it's just an amazing place to live. Really? That's excellent. Yep. Um, I do know people who also said they were going to Alaska for a little while, and uh, they never came back. So yep. I assume they've been killed by a polar bear, but I don't know a lot about geography or nature. So, Yes. Well, I knew there would be um, – I knew you would talk about bears or moose. I was going to tell you I was late because I had to hitch up my dog team. but There's no um, way you don't have a husky. 
<laughs> I do have a dog and she is a, I like to call her a reject sled dog. She is an Alaskan Husky breed, which is what they use for running the Iditarod, but she didn't make the cut. She's lazy. Molly, do you think that when I say my silly things and then they come true, that it's funny or scary? Because I can never tell which it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Okay. It's funny. Because you, you have a husky. and I, just, I, I have a husky, yeah. but I don't live in an igloo. Well, you say. Um, Who knows what you'll lie about today? But... There's no way to know. <laughs> I don't know when you get embarrassed. You're like, oh, God, we do eat raw salmon right from the river. How does he know that? <laughs> <laughs> we do eat a lot of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> but not with your hands like Schmeagel. Am I correct about that? Correct. Oh, correct. See, there you we, go. Um, we do cook it. Would you eat it raw part. on a bagel? Maybe with some locks? Uh, yes, I would. Yeah, see? Well, then I was pretty much right. Okay. Uh, so you have, I'm sorry, two children. You said 1916. Yep. The 16-year-old's the type one boy or girl? Boy. Diagnosed how long ago? Uh, almost two years ago. Was that a surprise? Uh, yep. Yep, for sure. No history of type 1 in either of our families. Um, no major autoimmune things. There's maybe some mild allergies on my side. And, and he had he's had allergies um, since he was small, mm -hmm. um, but nothing, nothing major. He's allergic to ice? <laughs> what, what else when when he was uh when he was a baby he was allergic to cow's milk okay um so i used to joke because he used to i used to buy really fancy cheese for my then what like two and three year old because he couldn't have cow's milk cheese so he had goat's milk cheese and sheep's milk cheese um but he kind of grew out of that and uh he has hay fever now seasonal allergies uh, but that's it. That's about it. Hey, um, the boy that you followed to Alaska, the kid's dad or no? No. Okay. Is that guy, <laughs> is that kid still in Alaska? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Wow. He left and you stayed. <laughs> Can we not talk about diabetes and just talk about the year that you lived in Alaska with that guy, please? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really long story. We don't have time for that. <laughs> so far, that's what I find myself caring about. But you seem like a reasonable uh, person. I'm going to move in the correct direction now. But I want to hear about what I assume was, I mean, drinking and debauchery and then cheating. And um, and then somebody got caught. And somebody got oh, hit, it's, hit. it's less, it's it's less, less dramatic than, well, than you're thinking. <laughs> well, I'm trying to turn it into an after-school special. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, I'm glad that you stayed and, and made a whole life for yourself. Uh, yeah. You became uh, an educator, obviously. Did you go to college in Alaska? Uh, I did. I um, was working seasonally up here for a while and then decided to go back to school and get my teaching degree. And so I did go back up here and mm -hmm. eventually um, got my credential up here and started working. Wow. And so how long did you teach before you became became the man because <laughs> you're the principal <laughs> now right uh i am yeah i taught for uh i think about 12 or 13 years in the classroom okay how old are you can i ask uh i am 48 did you not know or did you not want to say no i have to think about it a little bit um because you know 
you forget. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's been 29 years since you followed that stupid boy to Alaska. Uh, it looks like you met another boy, probably stupid, but nicer and you like him. <laughs> and so <you laughs> made a couple of kids with him, became a teacher, taught for a while, uh, moved into the administration side. How long, yep. have, how long have you been in that side of it? Uh, this is my fourth year. Okay, so pretty free- recently then. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. What made you wait a minute? Can I ask a question that's not attached before we move on so it doesn't <laughs> stick in my head? Yeah. How does the sun work in Alaska? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's summertime right now and it's July. So we have um, a lot of daylight. And I think the sun is setting. Gosh, I would have to look it up, but. You know, if I go to bed at midnight, it's still light out. It's maybe getting dusky. And when I get up, it's bright, bright day. So where I am, we have, I think, at the height of summer, we have over 18 hours of daylight. Um, And then in the winter, it's uh, darker. (laughs) And it's not dark all the time. It It gets fully light in the middle of the day. But I would say in the middle of winter, you know, the darkest time in December, it's maybe starting to get light between nine and 10. And then it's starting to get dark, like between three and four in the afternoon. So just from nine or 10 in the morning till three or four in the afternoon during the winter time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just, I have a note here that says, ask about the sun. And <laughs> I know I'm going to start asking you about diabetes and stuff. And the whole time you're talking, I would be thinking, I wonder how the sun works. And now that I know, I feel, I feel better about it. And I never <laughs> knew if that was a television thing. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Where people no, it's, say, it's real. The land of the midnight sun is is the real deal. Yeah. How would you get a name if it wasn't real then? That's that's true. <laughs> um, okay. So there's no autoimmune in the family, some light stuff around allergies. Um, so how does the how does the diabetes present for your son? Um, just pretty typical symptoms, although <laughs> The thing that threw us is he never said he was thirsty all the time. Uh, He said his mouth was dry (laughs) and he just kept saying, my mouth is so dry. I can't figure out why my mouth is dry. Um, I assume he was probably going to the bathroom a lot, although he wasn't always drinking a ton. He would just swish water in his mouth and then spit it out because his mouth was dry Hmm. Um, and just tired, you know, lethargy. Um, I he had started taking allergy medication because his seasonal allergies had been getting worse. And so uh, when we were trying to figure out what was wrong, I looked at his box of it's just the over the counter allergy meds and the side effects were dry mouth and lethargy. And so I thought for sure, Oh, it's the allergy meds. We'll we'll stop taking those and he'll be fine. Um, So of course that didn't work out. He just kept, uh, declining. So eventually, and it was during COVID. So this was, uh, July of 2020. Okay. Um, so, you know, not so easy just to go to the doctor, but we had finally decided, okay, yeah, we need to take him in. So first step is to go get a COVID test. So we took him to the urgent care to get a COVID test. Um, at that point they were just coming out to the car to do the test. So they did that. They asked some questions, you know, about how he was feeling and basically said, okay, we'll call you with the results. Um, we think you should just go home. But if he gets worse, 
I think they were suspecting appendicitis. Maybe they said if, you know, if he, if his stomach pain gets worse, go to the ER. Hmm. Um, my husband had taken him to that appointment and I was supposed to meet him there and then, and take our son home. Uh, I got there and I looked at, at our son. Uh, his name is Jack. And I looked at him. I said, Oh, I'm not taking him home. There's no way he's like, he had declined even more. And we live about 45 minutes from doctors and hospitals. So I wasn't willing to take him home. So we were able to get him inside the clinic, um, for another, for another look. And then, um, he was, you know, at that point he was vomiting. I mean, he was in DKA for sure. And, um, as soon as the the doctor asked to smell his breath, I knew exactly. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's diabetes. You know, I have a little bit of just kind of basic first aid training and stuff. And my husband is, um, he's also a teacher, but he's also an EMT. And um, so we kind of knew the basics, but it just, until she said, let me smell your breath, it didn't really click. Hmm. Um, is the fire chief also the mayor? <laughs> I'm sorry. I nope. held I held in you couldn't wait for the doctor to come in on the wagon train. So <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to hold it all in. This, this uh, isn't <laughs> this isn't a major city. We're in we're in the biggest city in Alaska. Says you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like it when Canadians are like, I live in a city, and I'm like, do you? And then it's Toronto <laughs> or something like that. I'm like, oh well, okay, maybe you do. Uh, but yeah. well, okay, so but still 40, a 45 minute drive. And you're saying that in the time uh, from which you saw him last, just that day till when you saw him at the doctor's office, there was a noticeable change. Yeah, yeah. you know, he just had that look. I just, mm-hmm. it, he just didn't look right. Okay. I just said, no, I, he needs to be seen. Do they keep you in the hospital or how did it work with COVID? Yep, he was admitted. You know, they told me to drive to the ER. Uh, so we did. And we were in the hospital, I think maybe two and a half days. So that because he was in the pediatric unit, they allowed both parents. Um, but there were some restrictions. I think like we couldn't come and go during the day. We could leave once mm-hmm. and come back, but you couldn't come and go. And so we took turns spending the night. Um, but then we were both there for the diabetes education piece yeah. so we could figure out what was going on. Okay. How did he handle the news? Uh, he handled it really well. He I, I, and I think it's because, and partly he's he's pretty mellow, he's pretty even keel kind of person. Um, but also, he had a friend um, all growing up that had type one, and he had a pretty close. There were maybe four or five of them in this in this friend group, and she was always one, and. So I think it was, it didn't seem too abnormal or weird to him. It was like, oh, she's got, oh, I've got, I have what she has. Okay. Yeah. Somebody who's living well and he sees all the time and seems normal. Right. And she him. seems yeah. very normal and functional and she does whatever she wants and it doesn't limit her at all. Right. And that hasn't changed over time? Uh, No. No. Okay. Nope. But he also, I mean, it's interesting because he's a teenage boy, so... He doesn't talk much, and that's kind of how he is anyway. You know, lots of one-word answers. Um, hates talking about diabetes. Doesn't doesn't even want to acknowledge really. 
that that's a part of his life or that that's a big part of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminded me when you were, when you had Arden on how she just, you know, kind of blows it off like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, he has that attitude. Yeah. And would you say he's 16 now? Uh, yeah, he'll be 16 in a couple weeks. You, you might have four more hugs you can get in the next two years. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty much. That, that's where I see you. Uh, it, yeah, right, right I realize that. <laughs> Can mommy get? No? Okay. If I, yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep paying for the house. <laughs> the, le- the least favorite thing that I say to him is, well, I heard on my podcast, or the, the juice box guy says this, like he wants zero information about diabetes from me, and most of my information comes from you. So he really dislikes you without ever having heard you. Well, I can appreciate that. Also, there's a kid in this house with diabetes that doesn't want to hear from the juice box guy either. So it's a, a pretty common thing for, for that right. age, to be perfectly right. honest. And and if you can use me uh, to deflect, I actually think that's a good idea. As I, as I heard you saying it, I thought, oh, people should use me like the doctors use the nurses. You, you know what I mean? They're like, oh, the nurse is going to come in now and give you a shot. I'll wait out in the hall so you like me when this is over. Like, I could be the nurse with a needle, and you could just be the person who's like, I'm sorry this has to happen, but the guy said. You right. Know, yeah. Well, I do say, I don't say, you know, I think you should try this. I always say, you know, well, my podcast guy says that you should do this. Oh, you know, I always used to take that as... um as people saying that I knew, but now I'm thinking everyone's just hiding behind me so they don't have to deal with their own, with their kids. Well, right. Because we know, and I mean, especially as an educator, I know that kids don't want to hear anything from their parents. Their parents don't know anything. So as a teacher, I can tell kids things and they'll listen. And if their parents told them the same thing, they wouldn't. So do you think they actually listen to other people or they just don't have the nerve to yell at other people? Have you found that getting your diabetes supplies can be a pain in the butt? I have too. But not any longer. Because now we're getting Arden's diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. To get a free benefits check, just call 888-721-1514 or go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. U.S. Med has served over 1 million diabetes customers since 1996. And they want you to know that they're offering you better service and better care than you're getting now. U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 2 and the Dexcom G6. Arden gets her Dexcoms and her Omnipods from U.S. Med. U.S. Med accepts Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. U.S. Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, number one fastest growing tandem distributor, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer service satisfaction surveys, and they are proud of the white glove treatment that they offer their customers. USMed.com forward slash juice box or call 888 721 15 one four. And that 888 number is special just for Juicebox podcast listeners. Now, if you decide to go to the website, it's super simple. Here's what it tells you when you get there. Getting started is easy. From the comfort of your own home or office, 
you can now join over 1 million satisfied customers who rely on our staff of courteous, knowledgeable, and trained U.S. Med customer care representatives to keep you up to date with your medical and diabetic supplies delivered right to your door. Super simple benefits check. Name, phone number, email, zip code, and then just hit the button that says request a free benefits check. It's that easy. Let U.S. Med take care of your supplies so you don't have to worry. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. I myself have just begun using BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy. <laughs> and um, push back. I, I think it's. I think it's a little of both. A little of both. Yeah, Molly, you just got all serious. Molly's a uh, a principal with your answer there. You <laughs> stop messing around. You're like, I have a real thought on this. Hold on a second. Um, <laughs> do you? And that is why you wanted to come on the show, right? Because of your background education and what you see with 504 plans and and what you've yeah i just i saw a lot of people asking questions about 504s um you know i'm not a 504 expert but i definitely have that school perspective as as a classroom teacher i had students with type one before i knew anything about it before Mm -hmm. my son was diagnosed so i i have that perspective and then now as a principal and as the one at my school who is responsible for writing 504 plans and, you know, working with my son's school to write his plan. Um, I just wanted to, you know, I think like most people say, when they talk to you, like we've learned a lot from, from you and from the podcast, it's really helped. And if there's a way that I can help or give somebody some information that might smooth their path, then yeah. I want to do that. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll uh, we'll see what you know. So uh, I'm just <laughs> moving the last 504 plan I've ever made over to this computer so I can pull it up while we're talking because I haven't looked at these or thought about them in a while. It's funny. Something that I thought was so important at one point became a throwaway document as Arden got older when we really just didn't need it anymore. And it was just right. the, the thing we kept going because that's what you do sort of situation. That's what you do. And I feel the same way. I mean, I, 
you know, was very involved in, in creating Jack's 504 when he first went back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, you know, when he, when they call for the annual review, I have to remind myself what we put in there and, um, yeah. I'm a lot more relaxed about it now. So do you have them, do you use a template when you make them or do you let the people, I, I asked because the first time I brought in my 504 plant, they were like, this is not what we do. And I was like, well, I've already done this, so we're all good. And they said, no, 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 we'll take your document and put it into our document. I was like, okay, like this is a formatting thing is what I thought at the time. And right. they, they took like my, I don't know, three or four page, like, nicely typed out documents, probably actually two and a half pages when you take out headers and et cetera. And they turned it into like four bullet points and (laughs) and they handed it to me. And I said, this is it. And she was going into kindergarten at the time. And and they was like, yeah, this is it. This is, this is enough. We have other kids here. They said with um, diabetes. And I said, "Uh, if you try to keep my daughter alive with these four bullet points, she's not going to make it a month here. And then I said, I really think, we should go over mine. And that was the first time I pushed back and got them to, um, I got them to sit down with my document to see that just because it had words in it didn't mean that it was trying to trick them or put them in a bad position or anything like that. Um, right. You know, but I don't know. Well, I think each, I think every district probably has their own format. So yeah, we have a template that we use. Um, it's, you know, specific to our district. Um, but you know, the 504, the rules and laws and policies that that govern 504s and, and IEPs are are national laws. So we're all conforming to the same thing, but how we do it, uh, I'm sure varies district by district. So I am by no means a 504 expert, but I, I have some familiarity with how we do it in my district. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, it is just taking those ideas that that you bring as a parent um, and, and fitting it into our format and making sure it, it looks right. And then, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm in a big district and I have people that can review those documents for me Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're um, just as they need to be and legally compliant. And um, I I know that Arden's at one point, Arden's 504 plan became the, like the one that people in town used. Uh-huh. And then I think I noticed that the school was not happy with me because it was okay if it was for one person. But then all of a sudden people were coming <laughs> and be like, hey, we're going to use this 504 plan. And they couldn't argue with it because we were using it. And uh, that became an issue. And then, I, of course, it went on the Internet eventually. So I think people probably all over the country use it at this point. Right. Um, and that's how it works with all 504 sure. plans and all disabilities yeah. that, you know, if if your child is dyslexic, then, you know, there's thousands of those floating around on the internet that you can find um, and and advocate for. But, you know, it's a legal document and we're required to provide everything that's in there. And so from the school side, uh, you know, that's why we are a little more conservative or we're, we're going to question your two and a half page document and, and say, is, do we need to have everything in here? And, and part of the trick I think too, is that, um, and, and this probably varies district to district and state to state, um, but, you know, we have a medical document, the diabetes care plan in our district that outlines medically what happens. And then the 504 is really, um, you know, just making sure that students can access their education equally with other students. Okay. Um, and, and 
to me, those are two different documents. Um, but part of that is because my son was in high school when we were doing this and mm-hmm. he was already fully independent. One of the nice, nice things about him being diagnosed older is that he's, he was fully independent from the beginning. You know, we had to learn how to give him shots when we were in the hospital, but he always did all his own shots and now he's on a pump and he, you know, he, he's completely independent. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I want to ask you something that I feel like you can't answer, <laughs> but <laughs> because, and if you can't, you're fine. But is there ever, I always felt like there were things in our 504 plan that they were like, yeah, 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 we'll do that. And then they just never did. And it was little stuff like, you know, I was like, I want the bus driver trained. And for years they'd be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then one year it actually happened. And I noticed the year that it actually happened looked a lot different than the years they told me it was happening. But I think hmm. to, to your point, um, the school looks and says, we can't get this accomplished even. Like the, 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 the guy that drives the bus works for a third-party company. I think that was the holdup. I think it took them years to talk the bus company into allowing one of their employees to come to the school for a training session. And is, right. that, is that the kind of like – is that most of the time what the, what the I guess, the trip-ups are? Is that you don't, yep. you don't have the ability or the – the staff or yep yeah we don't have the ability or the staff or the money um you know i'll say i originally went into my son's 504 asking for the bus driver to be um i don't i don't even think i used the word trained like i just wanted the bus driver to be aware you know like if if he came across jack passed out on the bus that maybe he'd you know have an idea of why um and and he my son has a, his bus ride is almost an hour, um, both ways. So, you know, there's, there's a good chance chance. something could happen on the bus. Um, and they told me no, and I, I didn't push back on that. And I do know it's because exactly what you're saying. They have, the school district doesn't have any control over that driver. They don't train the driver. They don't employ the driver. Um, you know, right now we have school bus driver shortages. We're lucky to have a driver. And it just, I think, I think that they couldn't imagine a system where they could uphold that. Yeah. So then once you say yes to it, now you're bound to it. Right. So saying, um, no and bound to it in fair. the, in the, in the sense that just like you said, are there some years where not everything in the five before is happening? Um, I would say that certainly could happen, and that's when parents need to advocate. Yeah, right. And and how do you do that best? So when you, you know, listen, sometimes you're in a situation where people just aren't being helpful. Sometimes the parents right. are unreasonable. But but in a in an apples to apples situation where you know everybody's doing their best and it's not working out, how do you handle that? Like, what's the best way to approach you? I guess calmly without freaking out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for everything, I mean, just general basic life rules, right? Realize that everybody's trying to do their best and, and um, try and bring everybody together. I think that's, that's a big one. And, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, and you talk about and acknowledge like juice box podcast listeners are, you know, they're, they're top tier people. <laughs> I think, you know, mm-hmm. they, they understand and are really engaged in, in their own care or their kids care. Um, and I, I always find it interesting that it's widely acknowledged that there are some uneducated 
endocrinologists, right? And and you kind of have to advocate for yourself with your endo and find the right person. Um, but then I hear people when it comes to school, like they expect the school nurse to be the be all end all and know everything about type one. And they're a school nurse, you know, they had probably, I don't know, a week of diabetes training when they were in school, which could have been 20, 30 years ago. Right. You know, and they're managing, I've got 350 kids at my school and, um, you know, not to mention COVID, but even before COVID, there's, there are a lot of medical needs in the school. And so to expect your school nurse to, to be able to manage or to know everything that is going on in the type one space, like, like we as parents do and as really involved parents. And it's just totally unrealistic. Um, So approaching, you know, an issue or, or your advocacy advocacy with, with that in mind that, that we're trying to do our best and we've, we've got a lot of things on our plate and, you know, your child is, is one student in our school with significant needs that we need to meet, but that, that we're trying our best and we don't know what, you know, and we don't know why you're asking us to do what we do. Um, you know, I'm really anxious now for, I haven't had, uh, as principal, I haven't had a type one student in my building yet. I, I had one, when we were in COVID during COVID, we were not in person. And so, um, but I'm, I'm excited now to be able to say to a parent, like, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you want. Um, and let's work together and, and make this happen. You, you're making me think that like there's, you know, people have a job description and the, what you might want from them might not be their job description. So you might trip into an administrator or a nurse who's willing to go the extra mile or comfortable going the extra mile. And that you may meet some who aren't for whatever reason, maybe they just don't have the bandwidth or maybe they don't, maybe they're like doing you a favor. Maybe they're like, look, you don't want me involved in this. I'm the wrong person for this. I can do the job, but I can't do this extra stuff or I don't have the time or I just don't want to, and it's not in my job description. Like, whoever you run into, I think the only chance you have is to start having more private, personal conversations with them and just hoping that you can come to some sort of a, like a human agreement, I guess, and, and see if you can't get them to be involved. I've always been kind of amazed at the number of people who would not be willing to be a glucagon advocate, for example. Huh. Lots and lots of teachers were like, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. Yeah. And I will say as a, as a teacher, when I had type one students in my class and we were going on a field trip and, um, I taught fifth grade mostly, I think, but I had two type one students that I can think of. Um, and we'd go on a field trip and I think maybe one time the nurse went with us, but then another time she didn't. And so I carried the glucagon and I remember going through the training, um, and it was super overwhelming. I mean, a field trip is a, a super chaotic day for a teacher yeah. and you've got, you know, 25 kids and they're all amped up and and you have a variety of needs between those kids. And then you have a student who you're being told, you know, could die if you don't give them this and you have to mix this and put it, you know, it, it's super overwhelming. Right. And there are definitely teachers that said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, and 
and I get it. I, I understand why they would say that. It's it's overwhelming and you just don't know enough and you have so many details in your head. Um, you know, I, I would I knew what numbers to be looking for. I remember like that day of the field trip. Mm-hmm. But if you asked me a week later, like what the normal range should be or what numbers I'm looking for, I wouldn't have known. You have no idea. And this was before Dexcom, you know, so we weren't getting tons of data. Right. But right. they were supposed to do a finger prick and then tell me what their number was. And I had to have a little cheat sheet. And again, yeah, like a week later, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. No, I understand. I mean, I do understand. I I also understand when people are in that position, usually for the first time or so, their kids are more newly diagnosed. They're already freaking out. They sort of don't know either. I think that's an important piece, too, is that when you're a new parent, you're going off of the information that was given to you, which, you know, we talk about on the podcast a lot, might not have been rock solid to begin with. And and now you're trying to make sense of spotty information and then pass it on to somebody else who's probably like either like, I don't understand what you're saying because I don't know anything about diabetes or you're saying some stuff I don't think is right. And you think, well, no, it's got to be right. I got it from the doctor. And, right. you know, but how many people come on the podcast and say, my doctor never told me to pre-bolus. My doctor never told me fat would make my blood sugar stay high because of slow digestion. Like, you know, here are all the things people have never said or I've, you know, even said to people incorrectly. So you can see where the game of telephone can get messed up pretty easily. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even all the more reason to come in calmly and with, you know, with the attitude of let's work together to figure this out and let's build this relationship so that it can turn into something where, um, you know, I'm comfortable calling you and asking you to change this or do this. And, and same thing on my end, I'm comfortable calling you and saying, Hey, uh, we had this happen today. Um, how should we fix this? Um, and when people come, come to me with that attitude, then it's just so much easier for me to work with people and help them get what they want. Um, versus the parents that come in and say, you know, you violated my 504 and I'm going to sue you and my lawyer is going to be contacting you later today. Yeah. You know, it's like, and people do that. And I, and I understand why. And, and you're totally right. You, at the beginning, when you're first diagnosed, it's super overwhelming and you want the best for your kid. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's where you're at. But when so when a parent calls me that way, then I have to react differently. Right. Well, I have to be, you know, it takes me probably five times as long to compose the email because I have to double check every word and I have to have somebody else read it. And I probably have to call the district office and and double check to make sure. Um, versus if you just call me and say, hey, this is going on. What do you think? I yeah. can have a casual conversation and we can probably problem solve something right there. Aside of diabetes, aside of diabetes even, I've had a number of conversations with teachers over the year where I start and I go, listen, I'm not trying to cause a problem. I know your job's hard. You know, I know it's tough to, you know, some of the parents in this town are, are difficult. Like, that's not my goal here. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be right. I'm just trying to make things okay for, you know, my kid. And can we work on this together? Because I, I think yep. the first time I have a little nutty, you're going to remember that. And then forever yeah. and ever, I'm the guy that came in there and, like, seemed unhinged. And you're always going to remember that about me. So... I tried really yep. hard. Unfortunately, that that's, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I try and give everybody the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, you do remember that. Right. Yeah. Here's the lady that threw the papers across the floor. I'm just going to stand here and smile and try to get through this. You just, you lose your, I don't know. I think you lose the ability to have a human 
interaction at that point. And you've now turned it into something, like you said, like you have been an aggressor in the past or unreasonable. And now you have to start running things past lawyers and, you know, talking very carefully. And it's just, I don't know. I, you know, one time I think we were setting up, I think it was back when Dexcom was first around and we were setting up Arden being able to have her Dexcom receiver on her desk during state-mandated testing. Uh-huh. And we were making making our way through it, and it was going okay. And the superintendent called my house to talk it over. And I, I, I promise you, Molly, I don't remember the context at all. But within 10 minutes, he and I were screaming and cursing at each other. <laughs> and we knew each other. Like, he's a person who lived in town. You know what I mean? And by the way, a lovely man. <laughs> and and we yelled at each other like we were about to have a bar fight. And then we stopped, and he went, I'm sorry. And I said, me too. I apologize. And then we just kept going. And later I said to my wife, I, I know this might not be the right thing to say, but I was like, only two guys could do something like that. <laughs> like, like We were just like, I mean, Molly, I swear to God. He was he was cursing at me more than I was cursing at him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say that brings up an interesting point, like with state testing and and you asked about the template that we use. I will say that um the verbiage that we use, that we typically use in 504s and the verbiage that comes with state testing guidelines has not kept pace with diabetes technology. Right. And so there's a real disconnect there. Um and as an educator, whether it's a teacher or a principal or a building test coordinator, um, I can lose my license if I violate a state testing guideline. Yeah. And so I can see where that, you know, a dispute or a disagreement over an electronic device in the testing environment. Oh, sure. Um, and we were breaking new could ground. Could totally go yeah. through the roof. Yeah, we were <laughs> um, totally breaking new ground. I was pressing the state. Like, the state was like, we can't do this. And I was like, oh, no, you can. And we're going to figure it out together. And, you know, when it was all over, the uh, then principal of the school, she moved on. But she pulled me aside afterwards. She said, you know, I really have to thank you for going through this because now it's so much easier for us to do this with all the other kids. She's like, right. but you needed one person to just make an issue of it point out a way that it could be handled. And and she said the biggest piece ended up being the education part, meaning, mm -hmm. meaning me reasonably explaining to the person from the state why this was necessary. Exactly. You know, and exactly. it probably didn't. And that's where people just don't know. And, you know, the 504 coordinator is sometimes it's a principal, sometimes it's a school counselor. We have no medical you know, sure. background. And so just coming in with that calm attitude and be able, being able to explain, you know, why you, why you want something in the 504. I had to explain to the counselor at my son's high school about, you know, I wanted something about um, being able to test. I can't remember the exact wording we use, but basically like if he's showing up for a high stakes test and he's, super high, I want him to be able to take that at a different time because that affects him cognitively. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know that, right. you know, they didn't really know that there were or the extent of the cognitive impairments of higher low blood sugar. Right. And, you know, my son's a really bright kid and he's, he's going to do well on those tests. And I don't want 
his diabetes to impact that in any way. So taking the time to explain that to the counselor, like, no, here's why. I'm not just saying like he woke up and he has a bad day, so he gets a do-over. Like his medical condition could be impairing his ability to show his best effort on this assessment. I think one of the problems is that there are people who would use it to gain an advantage. And so that there are, yeah, and there they're are. basically and, having to defend against that then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There are. And I will say the the one thing too, of course, you know, most people I think at this point in their 504s, if their kids are on, you know, Dexcoms or whatever, have the phone as an accommodation. Um, and I, I will say that I would bet that 95% of kids at some point in school misuse their phone. And my son has done it. I know he's done it where he pulls out his phone, you know, to quote, check his number. And then he's distracted. Like kids don't have the ability to not get sucked into their device. Right. And, and that's where I, I think parents sometimes have a hard time understanding, you know, every, every parent thinks that their kid is always you know, perfect angel in school or most parents. Molly, do you want to tell them the have... truth? Their, their kids are little <laughs> assholes, right? <laughs> well, they, they do things that you wouldn't expect. Like your perfect diabetic angel actually does scroll through their phone at times. Right. <laughs> you know, when no, they're course. not just checking their number. And I, I've gone to Jack's teachers and said, okay, here's the deal. If he's checking his number, he pulls out his phone, he looks at it and he puts it away. There is no scrolling in the Dexcom app. If right. he's scrolling, he's he's not using it for what it needs to be used for. And you can tell him to put it away. And, you know, I've told him that for me, the phone is a privilege. Like, yes, it makes it a lot easier to check. You don't have to pull your pump out. You know, he's on a tandem. He, yeah. um, you know, he could, he doesn't have to have his phone there. He could look at his pump to read his Dexcom. Right. Um, so I'm allowing him the convenience of having his phone, but he has to try and manage that yeah, and not be a, a pain in the butt for his teacher. Yeah. If you're going to sneak a look at your text, make sure nobody sees. That's all. Right? That's what we're really saying here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to, uh, I was going to roll through Arden's 504 with you a little bit. So, ah. um, we have it broken down into a little, by the way, I have to just tell you first, the word accommodations was misspelled on this document, not, oh, not typed by me. And I will tell you that I don't think I live in a, in a dingy place, you know, where you expect the, <laughs> the schools to not be on par, but I have never been emailed so many misspellings and writings that don't make sense as I have oh. while my children are in school. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. The, That's... <laughs> um, the amount of times that you get, like you, you learn to not even look at the first email because the second email was going to apologize for what they didn't do in the first email for certain. And it was just, I don't know. It, it didn't fill you with a ton of hope in case you were wondering. Uh, but right. anyway, anyway, with that memory in my head, I pulled this document up and in two seconds I thought, yeah, I really think there's two M's in accommodations. <laughs> and so uh, and, um, anyway, so we had it broken down into personal, right? It was mm -hmm. sort of like all the staff will be trained. Um, the nurse has to designate a person. It actually says the nurse shall designate in constitution with the Board of Education employees of the school district who volunteer to administer glucagon. So there's a there's a passage there. They eventually would find mm -hmm. people. Um, 
the teachers are trained to recognize type one uh, emergency indicators. And um, during large group portions of the day, uh, including recess assemblies, et cetera. It describes that Arden's going to be carrying a bag or a purse, and it tells what's in it. It tells mm-hmm. you what to do in the event of a hypoglycemic event. And um, it actually walks through, like, give her a juice, then do this. If she's not compliant in drinking the juice, you're allowed to do this or be more forceful with this. Um, if you, It actually says in here, this goes back a ways. It says district personnel have the parent's permission to restrain Arden if she becomes combative during the application of a glucose gel. And we put that in there so that they wouldn't feel like, oh, she flipped around twice. We'll wait for 911. Like we were trying to think through everything that might happen. And of course, none of this ever happened. But if Arden becomes unconscious before or after the juice, the nurse will, you know, and then in steps, do the glucagon. Here's how. Call 911. Call the parents, you know, et cetera. Like it, it all kind of broke down that way. Um, right. We added later in time to the glucose testing and insulin dosing section that Arden's cell phone is considered a medical device. That is such a big one now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's permitted to be with her at all times. Her proximity to her phone is crucial because some teachers in high school, remember the thing where they just used, like they'd hang a shoe tree up yeah, and they'd be like, hey, everybody put your phone in there and go sit down. And, you know, Arden had to make her way through that. To be honest, we're going to a concert, a, uh, a comedy concert in a couple of days. And we had to call the venue yesterday and say, listen, you know, it says that you're going to take our phones and lock them in bags. You, you can't do that. Like, you know, how, right. how, how can, but you don't start with, you can't do that. You start with, here's our situation. Is there a workaround for this? And they say, oh yeah, sure. Do this. You know, but I, I found it's very, um, it's, um, it, it's always interesting to me, right? Like like you're working for somebody right now, Molly, right? If I come yeah. in and I start questioning the rules, I'm not questioning you, but it is hard not to feel that way if you're you. So right. so a lot of times employees will start defending the institution as if the institution is themselves, which is why you call the comedy venue and say, hey, here's something we have going on. Can you please tell me what to do about it? Not start telling them what to do because they're like, yeah, it's not your job. It, it, it's easy to get kind of like, I guess, to brusque up against people. Anyway. This- yeah. And I think, you know, I was just listening. You just put up an episode with a a teacher mom and she was talking about that, that I think as parents, you know, we get used to having to fight for things. Um, You know, I think of insurance companies. I would say if I didn't have to work, maybe I would just spend my time fighting with insurance companies and trying to make a change there because that's to me, the most frustrating piece of the whole diabetes space is, mm-hmm. is health insurance. But we're just kind of programmed that we're going to have to fight for our kids and fight for what they need. And every little thing, like you just want to go to a concert or you just want to go to do this, but you're going to have to make the phone call and explain the situation. And and we're just kind of programmed to do that. Um, it's just it's just the way you go about doing it. And, and again, when you're calling the venue, you know, that person answering the phone doesn't know about type one. They don't They have no idea that your phone is your, you know, your link to your glucose monitor. It sounds insane Um, almost. If you don't know, what it sounds like is, oh, you want to keep your phone so you can record this concert. And you're you're looking for an an excuse to why to do it. Yeah. No, the whole thing is communication. 
I don't like Molly, I don't want to give it away, but most of life is communication. So yeah, yeah it's, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We have one in here really interesting. And it's, it's um, something we figured out a couple of years in that they'll do their best in conjunction with the transportation director to make the bus route beneficial to Arden. And that was a thing where she used to get picked up first in the morning and then in the afternoon was dropped off last. So it was always maximizing the amount of time she was on the bus. So one time mm-hmm. we explained to him, like, listen, here's what could happen. I think if you minimize the time she's on the bus, everybody'd be happier. And they came back a couple of days later and they said, hey, we were able to rework the bus route. And now Arden gets picked up. Like she was like picked up three from last before getting to the school and dropped off again, three from, you know, she was the third drop off. And it it wasn't fun for anybody. And I don't think the person who had to rework the route was thrilled, but they figured it out. And, you know, and it ended up being, I, I thought, beneficial to everybody. And I did point out how it would benefit them as well. Um, which is a it's just a big point of all this because when we went to texting, the, the 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 school didn't really like that idea at first, and the way I sold it to them was like, look, if I'm texting with her and she and I are making decisions together, I really think there's no legal, like legally, we made the decision. Like it, it kind of gets you off the hook, and that idea they lit up about. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I kind of like since it didn't happen to you, I want you to, if you're comfortable, to talk a little bit about how exciting that must have been for them when I said, "Look, you know, let's get you off the hook here on these insulin decisions." Do you think they were thrilled when they heard that? Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, we have people threatening to sue us every day, (laughs) so so I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a consideration. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely. No, no, I just, and I'm and, and, I, and I totally agree. I mean, and that's again where the education, taking the time to explain how you're managing and how this is gonna gonna make it easier for the school, not to mention less liability, but just easier because you're in direct communication. Um, yeah, you need to explain how that works. I felt your, like your she, 504 for Arden is interesting because it's it's definitely more on the medical side than than I would have in my school or in our district, I think, just because we do have that diabetes care plan um, as a separate piece. So so like my son's 504 in high school has a lot less medical and more about what he's able to do in the classroom. My big thing was I don't want him leaving the classroom. Right. You know, there's a lot of content. I know you had mentioned one time about you were worried about Arden's math and then it was just that she was going to the nurse every day at that time. Yeah. And and that's a big thing. We talk about, you know, engagement in the classroom and and that's that's key. And so if if you're leaving the room every hour or even if it's just a couple times a day, that's that's missed instruction. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I want for my own child and for my students students in my school, I want every student in the classroom all the time. Yeah. If that means the nurse comes down or if, you know, if kids on a Dexcom and the nurse can follow, um, I just, I just want kids in classrooms. Right. No, no. I mean, it, listen, it happened in second grade and it so impacted her. It, it, it stayed with her for years. Like it took her years to rebound from that, from basically not being at the math, the math direction part of the day every day. 
she missed, right. she'd see a couple minutes of it, then miss the middle chunk and then come back when it was time to do the work. And she was significantly behind, like to the point I've said it on here before, where she thought she thought she was just not adept at all. And I mean, there were times where we were like, well, at least we won't have to pay for college, you, you know, like because she <laughs> she seemed really dopey, you know, about math. And um, and it turned out she just wasn't getting the the direction. Um, yeah. You know, that teacher, people underestimate the impact of missed time. Yeah, because it was missed instruction. We have, you know, the kids that come 15 minutes late every day, like, wow, you add that up, they're missing days upon days of of instruction. And yeah, they're not reading well, because we do phonics first thing, and they're missing that, you know, that's exactly what has a huge impact. Yeah, no, it's exactly what ended up happening. And she rebounded from it, uh, luckily, I guess. Um, But it it was hard for her and nobody knew what happened, right? Like, no, like we weren't there. Like, how would I know they do the exact same thing at the exact same time every day? Like, I I didn't, I mean, it stands to reason now that you say it, but at the time they were in second grade. Like, in my mind, they're just like, they're just like little ferrets running around in a cage. And every once in a while, you get them to look at you and you say letters at them and then they run around again. Like, I didn't know what they were doing, you know? (laughs) Um, But, but I think that's a big deal, like not missing class time. But I was going to tell you, like, yeah, our 504 plan is is a pretty complete document. We used to do an IEP. Yep. I think they call them IEPs, mm-hmm. individualized something plan. Yeah, individualized uh, education plan. Yeah, yeah. And we just, at one point, I was like, can we just leave this all in this document? And they were like, sure. And we just sort of left it there. Um, because then there's a breakdown of how to handle snacks and meals for Arden. And it's little stuff like Arden gets to finish her lunch. Yeah, You know, um, she eats at the same time every day. If there's an unforeseen change in the schedule, you tell us as soon as possible. Like that kind of stuff. You know, she has unfettered access to the bathroom. Um, yeah. You know, stuff about environment around her, like, you know, that she's going to have to have access to her bag, you know, to her CGM at that time, to her Omnipod uh, controller, you know, glucose food, etc. cetera. Um, we doubled down on the cell phone, it's mentioned twice in there so that it can't be yeah. lost. And then testing, which you brought up, you know, um, we we started to put a, a plan into place when she was younger, where when a test would start, she would write her blood sugar on the top corner of the test. Hmm. And if the test came back differently than you would expect for Arden's, you know, understanding of the material, you could point to that and say, hey, our blood sugar was pretty high. Can we do it again? And the truth is it never really came to fruition because it, soon after we put it in, I guess soon after we put it in and Dexcom became really like a viable part of how we managed, her blood sugars just didn't get that high that frequently. And so mm-hmm. it became, but I still think it's a great idea for people. Just get them. Well, to, I, think, you know. I think that a 504 just in general and an IEP, it, it's just like the insurance policy for parents, right? I want it to have everything in there just in case. And and hopefully you never have to deal with with something like that. You know, I hope that my son never shows up for a test and he's high and we have to think about should he should he redo it or 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 any of that. But if it happens, I, I want something in that document mm-hmm. that says we have the right to do this at a different time. Yeah. Right. We can just call a do-over and and do it again. She had, uh, during her, Arden took her SATs in a room privately with a teacher that she knew. Mm -hmm. And 
there was a time where I texted. The, so the way we had it set up, actually, I can read it to you, and then I can tell you. It says, uh, allow for medical-induced breaks if Arden needs to check her blood sugar. Per the, And then the, that's all we asked for. And then the state testing coordinator added that Arden's cell phone may be on and present in the testing site, but must be in the proctor's possession. So mm-hmm. the way we handled that was Arden would give the phone to the teacher and say, look, if there's a problem, my dad's watching. He'll text this phone. You can answer the text and then like decide what to do next. Um, so we did that that way. That worked fine. It says the they all the test. Excuse me. The state also added during a medically induced break, Arden may be given her testing materials to. Uh, so Arden has to give her testing materials to the proctor to hold. Uh, then she can text about her blood sugar information to a parent. The proctor will look over Arden's shoulder as she texts to ensure only medical information is being shared. Yeah. And the state also added. If Arden needs to share medical information via her cell phone, either due to an incoming text prompting her to do so, not feeling well, or monitoring alerts, she must close her test booklet and answer sheet, move away from the desk, and retrieve her cell phone from the proctor. Again, the proctor will watch over Arden's shoulder. So clearly what the state is worried about is cheating or taking pictures of the test. Yes. That's what they're worried about, right? Because there are people who sell, like, they get a hold of pictures (laughs) of those tests and you sell them. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, because that's big business. Yeah, yeah, it's great because your kid's not going to get to college and then still be the same dummy that couldn't do well on the. You know what I mean? Like, what's the <laughs> point exactly? I got into a better school. Now I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it, it, unless I could, they could Photoshop me in like a rowboat, right, or something like that, then I could just get to any college <laughs> I want. Uh, but but um, th- this worked really well. And if I'm being honest, and Arden's out of school now, and I don't want to out anybody, if you asked Arden if anybody ever looked over her shoulder while she was texting out our blood sugar she would tell you they probably didn't. It, it becomes right. a very human thing once you're in the room and the door is closed. Right. Yeah. Right. But again, it's, a, it, it's in place and all those safeguards are in place. And so everybody can feel good about it and sign off on the plan and know that the integrity of the test is secure and that she's going to be safe. Um, yeah. Yeah. I it's interesting. Like- my, I have some similar um, statements in my son's uh, 504 for testing, mm-hmm. but he, um, you know, kind of goes along with, he just doesn't really want to make diabetes, a, a, a topic at all. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be in that separate room. He wants to be in the same room with everybody else. So I, I had to work with the counselor to say what, you know, what can we provide in the same room? Yeah. So, well, we, you know, well, we... and the big one is usually just food and drink. Like I just want him to have, you know, he doesn't, like I, I said, he doesn't need his phone, but that's partly because he's on a tandem pump. And so he can look at the pump. Yeah. And I had, but I had to clarify with them that the pump is not an electronic device because, you know, the rules say no electronic devices. Mm-hmm. The pump is a medical device that has electronics. And if he's looking at it, it looks like this. And this is what he's going to do. There is no, you know, it's not connected to the internet. He can't take a picture with it. Um but we had to go through all of that to make sure that they were going to feel comfortable having him in, you know, the general ed setting. Right. Because it was important to him. He doesn't he doesn't want to feel like he has to go to the special room. Arden um, went back and forth on that. So there were times where she's like, I just want to stay in my room. And we've done that. And there are times where she's like, hey, they set me up with a proctor. And I was like, oh, they're not supposed to do that. And she's like, I don't care. And that was the end. Of it. it just yeah. went like, I'll never forget the time it happened. She's like, you know. 
I, she texted me. She goes, I just took a test with a proctor. I thought that wasn't <laughs> supposed to happen. I said, it's not. I was like, do you want me to fix it? She goes, no. You know, it was nice. And I, said, I said, okay. She goes, it was nice and quiet. Nobody was talking. I got in and I got out. Plus like little things like, you know, once you finish this part of the test, you're supposed to wait till the next time to start. And the, t- and the teacher would inevitably go, hey, listen, if you want to start now, it's good with me. <laughs> and, you know, right. So we get out of here and Arden be like, yeah, sure, let's go. And so, you know, again, it's funny, isn't it? We write it down so that you said it earlier, so everybody can feel comfortable, but then we all just go to whatever the hell we want to do anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's important for me to know, like, even though Jack wants to downplay his diabetes right now, I just want him to understand that he will have to advocate for himself, you know, and you do it before the fact, you know, you don't do it when you get your test scores back and you bombed it because you were, you know, high the whole time or yeah. whatever. You you make sure that that people understand the situation beforehand, on the off chance that that you you might need to to call call that into play. Uh, we've always been very careful um, not to use diabetes as an excuse or to even have the appearance of using it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And we did a really, I'll tell you, we were really just like Boy Scout honest about it the entire time. Like the last, I think the last two weeks of Arden's senior year, she had, I don't know, she just, I don't forget, she got behind on something. She was up late working on something. And she says to me in the morning, can you just call and say my blood sugar's low? And I said, uh, <laughs> she goes, just one time. I don't want to go in. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> so, um, and she was only late. Like she was late. And and it was one of, the, I don't know if people like get this, but in Arden's senior year, the last couple of weeks, they were just I don't even understand you guys sometimes what, 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 uh, maybe it doesn't happen at your school, but what passes for, uh, instruction sometimes is she's like, well, we're just sitting in the common area because that was the, the weirdest thing I've brought it up on the podcast recently, but the weirdest thing that changed from when I was in school to when she was in school, if your teacher calls out sick, you just don't have class that day. Yeah. I heard you say that, that, uh, that doesn't happen in our district but i i can only imagine that it's because there's a shortage of subs i mean i had a lot of days during covid that i could there was no sub available right Um, but i'm elementary school i can't tell kids to just go to the commons and entertain themselves and and make tiktoks Um, because i think that's all that happened (laughs) no i mean i have to provide an adult they might not be getting the instruction they'd be getting in their with their regular teacher, but you know, they are yeah. supervised and they're doing something. Well, I'm sure um, there was an adult with them, but I'm making air quotes while yeah. I'm saying it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> right. just, she just like, she'd come home and she'd be like, Hey, check out these pictures. And I'm like, what was there a dance party? <laughs> she goes, Hey, yeah, this was during, uh, you know, English, the, the guy didn't show up and there's 40 kids there and they're just like voguing. And like, I don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, okay. I was like, well, <laughs> Good luck in life. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you understand English. Um, <laughs> anyway, did you, uh, I'm so sorry because we're like talking for an hour already. And I've, has this gone any way that you considered <laughs> or or did we not cover things that you wanted to talk about? I want to make sure. Oh, I, no, I think it's, it's gone fine. I, like I said, I just, I, I hope I can provide something that's useful for people in dealing with their schools and, uh. Yeah, I hope I've done that. So come to them. So come ahead of time, right? Uh, be be don't yell. 
<laughs> seems like an obvious one. Just but be okay. reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Be reasonable. You could even be angry. Just reasonably sure. angry, please. Sure. Right. I mean, I I think one thing I've learned as a principal is that you know I get I get complaints all the time. You know, people have issues with what's going on, and and usually it it has not a lot to do with with what people are actually complaining about. You know, usually it's it's something else that you're frustrated about or. Um, but, but we're dealing with people's kids and, you know, people send us their very best product. Um, you know, nobody's purposely not trying to do the best for their kids, including us on the school side. You know, we are, we are trying to do the best for your child and, and every other student in the school. And, you know, with diabetes, I think as parents, we can sometimes put our blinders up and because there are life and death situations, um, and where you say, this- well, is there a time though, when you go, look, I don't care about reasonable. I don't care what you have the ability to do. Like there are some things like this has to happen. And those things, they do end up happening, right? Yes. Yes. I think for the most part, you know, I think the part where maybe, maybe you and I would disagree is the extent of the tight control that we can have now because of the technology, um, you know, at what point is that still reasonable that, that your, that your child has, has the same control every minute of the school day that they would have if they were at home with you every minute. Right. Um, well, that's why the texting, I, I think texting is the unsung hero of diabetes and yes. kids and, you know, because you can take other steps out. You can remove people who don't really know what they're doing to begin with or don't have the time, you know, even if they did know. And, um, and I think that direct communication also allows insulin to be used more effectively too, because you're not saying, you're not waiting for a beep and then walking to a room and then waiting in line behind three kids with bruised <laughs> knees and you know what I mean? And then finally right. bolusing for your meal or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. I, but I, I see both sides. Like I really do. Like I, I, I love, that you're presenting your side of it. And I also think that it is not unreasonable for a person to want their kid to be healthy or for a newer diagnosed family who really doesn't know what they're doing to just be like frazzled. Right. And everything and everything seems out of control. It is interesting though, isn't it? That I guess there's not enough kids, I guess, thankfully in places where people just know, where there's a system, where they're like, oh no, diabetes, sure, that happens here all the time. Or even with the state, like that you don't you don't have to explain to the state, this is an insulin pump. It's not right. a, you know, it's not a handheld, you know, gaming system. Like right. your son can't be the first person to take an SAT in, you know, in Alaska with an insulin pump on, right? Like how Right. How- I just think it's just changing so fast and everybody's different, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't feel I mean, I guess I have been teaching a while, but you know, when I had students in my classroom, the technology was totally different. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and then and even and now it, it, it's changing fast and it depends on what system you're using. You know, right. it, if you're, you know, tandem's different than Omnipod or different than MDI and, and, and what you need is going to be different based on that. So it's so individualized in how people manage and, and how parents manage versus how much kids manage and at what age. Mm-hmm. Um there's just so many variables that it's it's 
unreasonable, I think, for for school officials who aren't medical professionals to to have any idea about what what you want as a parent or how best to manage your child because it's it's all individual. Molly, over under, let's set the number at 10. How many day drinking parents have you had to deal with in your career? Over under 10. Over under 10 individuals? Over 10. No, over <laughs> Oh, definitely over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here to give Billy his lunch. <laughs> okay, it's a bottle of vodka. Do you want to? Did, was there another bag in the car? Did you want to get the other bag? <laughs> so, I just, I don't know. <laughs> we we see lots of things in school. I would say the one thing that maybe parents don't realize in elementary school is is how much their their little kids talk. Oh yeah, like um, yeah, and you know everybody, you know if you're six, whatever happens in your house, you think that happens in everybody's house. And so you just talk about it as if it's, um, you know, a typical everyday thing. Sure. So um, oh, you, you know, all the dirt, like the infidelity in the town and like everything, <laughs> it comes to the kids, right? They, I mean, they just tell you like yeah. in the same way that your child might say, I had Cheerios for breakfast. Somebody else's child may say something. Do you know our neighbor comes over on Wednesday nights you. and my, <laughs> my neighbor comes over on Wednesday nights and my dad goes to their house. <laughs> really? That happens, huh? Okay. Well, <laughs> so kids just say whatever, whatever happens. <laughs> I feel like you have a book. I feel like every teacher has a book in them of just things that they've seen or heard. Or, oh, I'm sure they could yeah. if there weren't, you know, yeah. laws confidentiality and yeah, yeah, yeah. laws and things. <laughs> Do they rat on each other, these kids, too, in their just openness? Like you yeah. learn about the other kids through kids, the way you learn about like home stuff? Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I always tell, you know, if I'm dealing with discipline issues and I have to call a parent, I can't name, you know, other students that were involved, sure. but I usually just tell them, I said, just ask your child what happened. They'll, they'll give you lots more details than I can. I have to tell you. They'll, they'll tell you exactly who said what. <laughs> I have a, a completely different in the age of the internet uh, feeling for what teachers must go through. And more recently I saw, um, an educator's like physical appearance attacked on a public Facebook page by a parent, oh, by yeah. a parent who had just, I guess, been frustrated and decided that, you know, they were going to vent like a five-year-old online and then started attacking the guy personally. And I was like, what is happening? Like, yeah, that would be my other uh, piece of advice is, is come talk to your school first before you post things online. You don't think going to your the the town's <laughs> Facebook page is the way to take care of it? I've seen so many reasonable things worked out that way, though. <laughs> right, I know it always it always deescalates. Oh, it just works out online. just fine, absolutely <laughs> fine. My wife says to me the other day, it doesn't matter what side of the the perspective is on. She goes, "There's a woman in town uh, explaining January 6th to everybody in the Facebook." group for the town right now and i was like mm -hmm. what's that now and and she's like yeah yeah yeah. she's she's explaining all of her theories and things she knows for sure and blah blah and i was like and this person if you met them like like and you bumped into them you'd think like this is a normal person and by the way i didn't say i don't mean that her opinions were abnormal i mean the idea that she felt compelled to like go on facebook and explain it to everybody Right. Fried my mind. And then yeah. when something happens at the school and someone else agrees that, oh, this one isn't good or this one is like that, then it just turns into a free for all. It's yes. Fascinating. 
Anyway, yes. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 it lowers my expectations for adults when I see that stuff. It really does. It really does. Like, and if you're listening right now and you've done some of that, stop yourself. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, I mean, like you said, it's just communication. Just talk talk to the people yeah. directly. Step, step away. <laughs> step away. It's okay. Just just go take a break somewhere before you start badmouthing a guy who makes $45,000 on the internet for what he looks like. Just like, how about he's trying? <laughs> you know what I mean? And you don't know his life. But anyway, Molly, this was yeah. really terrific. I, I appreciate you doing this very much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And we didn't make fun of Alaska at all, almost. I know. There weren't, I thought for sure. It's disappointing. You, you know. Yeah, but you're not more. from there. You bring a You bring a different, like you have an East Coast feeling to you. Oh, an East Coast. Yeah. Oh, wow. I grew up on the West Coast. Did you really? Interesting. I don't know if that's a compliment. I feel like you're like thing. a no bullshit person, Molly. Oh, well, I would, yeah, I would maybe describe myself that way. Okay. Yeah. that That's just what I mean. Like, I don't think there's a lot of room for, uh shenanigans with you (laughs) (laughs) anyway you probably have to go kill a beaver for dinner so i'm gonna let you go i know you don't live in a place where there are other people your kid is on that bus for an hour yeah we are one of the we're kind of in a we're 45 minutes from the major city so is that city where santa lives like what are we talking about exactly (laughs) well anchorage is the largest city in alaska we are 45 minutes outside of anchorage um so for a long time the the school in my town is a k through eight school so my son had a like two minute commute to school and it was the school that i worked at Mm -hmm. Um, so that was super convenient but the high school is in anchorage all right. So I don't, for high school, he hasn't when you, a long bus ride. When you grow up in Anchorage, what what is it like? If you want to stay local, what do you expect to do for work? Is it um, just anything? Like, yeah, understand? I mean, I think anything you would do in a typical city. We have in Anchorage. I mean, we have a lot of. I mean, in addition, I guess the Alaska specific things would be maybe you know resource development, oil industry. There's a there's a lot of jobs in that sector. Mm-hmm. I just imagine canning or bartender. Like I don't have anything. <laughs> everything. It's that stupid TV show is the only thing I've ever seen about Alaska. What is that show? Right. Yeah, I don't even. Well, there's all it. sorts of TV shows about Alaska now. We got the crabbing ones and the Alaska oh. State Troopers and the survival. <laughs> I don't count ones. that. There's... I meant uh, Northern Exposure. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's probably more realistic for a small town. I don't think that I think that show is, you know, not for a big place like where you live, but not Anchorage. Yeah. I mean, Anchorage is a city right. like any other city. Right. And we have tell everybody and about the, and... the professional football team you have and the baseball <laughs> and the hockey. What else do you have? There? Well, we don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do have hockey, but um, a lot of people that's walking. But... Molly, you can't count when people have to go from place to place on ice skates as hockey. <laughs> A lot of people go to Seattle or, or things, you know, other places for their professional sports. For $20, I couldn't point to Atla- to Anchorage right now. <laughs> like, if you, if you just showed me, like, a, in fairness, I probably couldn't point to where I live either. <laughs> but I, I have no idea where you're at. I mean, I know Alaska is like that, like, little, like, nubby thing at the top next to Canada. Well, it's just, you know, floating down. It's by Hawaii in that little box okay. off of the West Coast. And you can see Russia from Alaska, I've heard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I know. 
<laughs> That's it right there. Um, it's all true. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Hold on one second. Okay. A huge thank you to Molly for coming on the show and sharing what she knows with us. I also want to thank US Med and remind you that you can get your free benefits check at usmed.com forward slash juiceboxer by calling 888-721-1514. And of course, our newest sponsor, BetterHelp, betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. Use that link to get 10% off your first month of therapy. I want to thank you so much for listening. Remind you to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, with over 35,000 members in it. And that's pretty much it. I hope you have a good day. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.